0: Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to Hope Haven Church. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in on today. I'm excited to share the word of God with you. Um, Before we get started with the word, uh, join me in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity for us to come together and to give you praise, honor, and glory. We ask on today, God, that you touch our hearts and our minds, that you allow the word and the Holy Spirit to flow through us, God, that you just allow the the scriptures and the Word to resonate in our hearts and our minds, God, so that we can be hearers and doers of the word. And Lord, we thank you and we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today uh, we're starting our first uh, week in our series, which is entitled Family Reunion. Uh, and we're going to be dealing during the next five weeks uh, with the values and the importance of family uh, through the scriptures. Uh, so what I would advise everyone to do is to share uh, the series with your family and with your friends. Uh, as a matter of fact, those of you that are on Facebook Live, if you just hit that share button right now, uh, we're going to touch off on some things in the scriptures in regards to family uh, and I pray that it will be a blessing to you on today. Uh, So those of you that have your Bibles, if you can turn with me uh, to the book of Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verses 18 through 21, Ephesians 5 and 18 through 21. And it says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. The title of this message is Let's Stay Together. Let's Stay Together. Look at your neighbor or type in in the comment section Let's Stay Together. In the U.S., 40 to 50 percent of marriages, according to statistics, will end in divorce. What is more startling is that that rate is actually higher amongst Christians in the church. Uh, What we fail to understand is that this has a major impact, not only on our relationships, but for those of us that have children. Um, But because of these separations, uh, our children can suffer mentally, physically, uh, with their education, and socially. Throughout time, we have lost the privilege of meaningful relationships. And many of times, the root of this is selfishness. We live in a me time, where everything is all about us. And because we are pursuing our own ambition and for our own personal gain and trying to get as much as we can out of everything for ourselves, our families begin to lack because of this selfish ambition. We've allowed our desires and our ambitions to get in the way. We then get married, not necessarily because of covenant Not necessarily for an eternal covenant to be together forever, uh, but many marriages are now coming together uh, because it is believed to be the right thing to do. Uh, Because uh, our biological clock is ticking, Uh, because uh, everyone keeps asking you at the job or at the church or at the family reunion, when are you going to get married? Uh, So now we see people are forcing themselves into covenant and into relationships prematurely when it's not necessarily the time for them to be together. Mm. Uh, Can I share something with you? Uh, uh, We we don't talk about this too often, uh, but some people actually have the gift of being single. I'm going to say that again. Some folks have the gift of being single, meaning that everyone is not designed to be married. And rather than us shaming people who are single and people who may not ever get married or don't desire to be married, uh, we have to realize that they have the gift to remain single. Uh, So we get married. But when we get married because of our selfishness and because of our own personal ambition and because of our own personal desire, we now connect to someone who is, we're supposed to be one with. And rather than us seeing them as a blessing, we then begin to see them as a burden. We begin to see them as someone that is holding us back of our own dreams and our aspirations. And now we're looking at them, despising them because we're connected to someone that we feel as if though, uh, Uh, is holding us from getting to our purpose. Uh, We now connect and we have children and now the children come, but now we look at our children and we see our children as obstacles. Uh, Rather than enjoying uh, the life with our children and enjoying the time with our children, we look at them and we despise them as well. And we feel as if though if we did not have them, we would be further in life. So now because we have this selfish ambition and this selfish desire within ourselves and we feel as if though our spouse and our children are holding us back. Now a disconnect happens in the family uh, where everyone is disconnected and no one seems to uh, uh, be uh, tight knit because everyone seems to have their own selfish desires, uh, which has now caused the family to enter into a place of destruction Uh, And because we see it this way, we pervert, which should have been a beautiful thing. Uh, God had put marriage together as an institution of something between a man and a woman so that they would enjoy their relationship together. He gave the woman the opportunity to produce children because husband and wives were supposed to enjoy the beauty of having a family. Um, But now in this modern day time, it looks as if, though, uh, it is almost a curse for a nuclear family to come together and enjoy, because if people look as if though marriage and family hold you back from your own personal ambition. And ladies and gentlemen, to me, this can be a problem Um, because if we carry this mindset, we will enter into another generation that will not be able to produce another generation because we have our own selfish desires and ambitions. And we fail to understand that when we die, we can't take all of that stuff with us. So family is the most significant place where we live out our faith and we live out our worship. So when we go through the scriptures and we see Apostle Paul and we see Paul write in 1st and 2nd Timothy and we see Paul write in Titus and we begin to see him give the instructions of a deacon and the instructions of an elder and the instructions of a bishop. The first thing that he deals with with them whenever they're going to take a leadership role in the church is he shares with them that the most important thing that they must have intact is their family. Before you start instructing other families, you have to make sure that you have your family intact. You have to make sure that there's a connection in your home before you start getting into the businesses of someone else's home. Uh, So Paul understands that the importance of ministry is not the four walls of the church. Uh, The importance of ministry is not necessarily the Sunday morning experience. The importance of ministry is not the Bible study night, Uh, but the most important and powerful part of your ministry is when you minister to the people that live in the house with you. Uh, So I would be a failure if the church is growing and flourishing, but my home is disconnected. Uh, So what God is looking for us is He, before He moves us into transitions in ministry, is He wants to make sure that we have the ministry of our family together before we start going into the church instructing everyone else on how to put the church together. Uh, so Paul is very uh, uh, insightful and he shares with us the importance of family before ministry. And anyone that tells you uh, that my ministry comes first and you tell their spouse that you holding me back from doing ministry Uh, they are not aligning with the word of God because the first thing that we must do before we go out into ministry is we need to make sure that our house is in order because how in the world can I be preaching to you about family for the next six weeks and my home is totally disbanded. When we allow sin into our relationships, it alters the nature of the family I'm going to say this again. When we allow sin into our relationships, it alters the nature of our family. Now, let me give you an example. In the book of Genesis, there's a man by the name of Adam, whom God creates on the sixth day out of the dust of the earth. Uh, He he gives the man responsibility of naming everything. He realizes that it's not good for man to be alone. He puts man to sleep, gives man uh, an operation, pulls the rib out of the man, creates a woman, puts them together. The two become one. He says, this is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. They produce children and everything seems to be going well. Uh, God allows them to freely eat of everything in the garden, but he gives them one restriction. They had one job, (laughs) one thing to avoid. And even though they had that one thing to avoid, the disobedience and the pride of life and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye allowed them to fall into the vices of Satan. After this happened, it changes the course and the nature of not only Adam, but it changes the course and the nature of the family and the earth. Watch this. The first thing that happens is there is a separation between Adam and God. The second thing that happens is that there is separation between mankind and nature. And the third thing that happens is that there is a separation between the husband and the wife. All of this happens because they allow sin to creep into their relationship. And when we allow sin to creep into our home, it changes the nature of our family. Watch this. God now separates himself and kicks them out of the garden. So his worship experience has been altered. He now makes Adam till the ground to yield forth fruit. So now there's an issue in the workforce. And now he tells the woman that she must be submissive to the husband, which now changes the nature of the home. Sin not only messed up Adam, But it messed up his relationship in his house. It messed up his relationship on the job. And it messed up his relationship in his worship. And when we allow sin to creep into our homes, it not only changes us, but it changes our home. It changes our job. And it changes our worship. So what I want to do is I want to challenge all families of Hope Haven this month. To pray together. I want to challenge all families this month. To come together and worship. I want to challenge all families to set aside some time for the next 31 days. Or the next 26 days. Because we're in July 5th. And gather together in prayer. Because what we have to understand is that when we come together in prayer. We set up a hedge of protection around us to let Satan know that God is in control of our families. (laughs) When a family prays together, it's dangerous. Because what happens is, is when we bow to God, God stands up for us. And too many times the reason why we have so many issues in our families is because we're doing all the standing and God says, okay, since you got it all under control, I'll go have a seat. But the moment we get down on our knees is the moment that God can rise up in our families. And what I'm looking for in the next 26 days is for God to rise up in our families and let the devil know that he won't have our homes. When we bow down in prayer, God stands up for our families. Somebody needs to hashtag that or share that. When we bow down to God, God stands up for our families. During this pandemic, we are seeing higher rates in divorce. We are seeing higher rates in domestic violence. We are seeing higher rates in conflicts in the houses. Children are running away. Cops are knocking on the door. Husband and wives are going to divorce attorneys. And you would think that this would be one of the most exciting times for those of us that are quarantined. You get to boo love. (laughs) You get to sit on the couch and spend some time with family. You get to have that time with your children. You would think that this would be one of the most joyous times in America because finally things have finally come to a standstill and families now have the time to gather together and spend quality time with each other. But what I found out is that one of the issues that we have is that we have been disconnected from each other for so long that many of us live in the same house and don't even know each other. Mm. We are more connected to our jobs. Many of us work eight to 10 hours a week. And by the time you come home, you're halfway tired. You might spend three or four hours with your family. You go to bed and you do it all over again. We're more connected to technology. You know more what's going on uh, in some influencer's life on Facebook or on Instagram than you know about your spouse. We spend more time to other parts of technology to where we are no longer connected as a family. The other day I'm sitting in my house and we're sitting in the living room. And one child has a laptop, playing (laughs) Roblox. Another one has a tablet, playing whatever. Another one has a phone, and I got the television. We have four different devices in the same room and we're not connected. And a conviction hit me that I'm sitting in the same room with my wife and my children, and we're not even connected on the same page. And this is how conflict breaks out. It breaks out because when you've been disconnected and now you're forced to come together and you don't know each other. Issues arise. So now. We must connect. And that goes beyond sexuality. That goes beyond saying hi and bye. That goes beyond just a kiss on the cheek before you go outside the door. But now is the time for families to really get to know each other. I don't want to sound like an old man, but I remember the good old days. Before there were 400 cable channels. Before the internet was prevalent. If you got on the internet, you had dial up. And if somebody was on the phone, you couldn't get on the internet. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I miss the good old days where uh, you didn't have a remote. The child that sat closest to the television was the remote. And back in my day, uh, we didn't have a remote for the cable box. Uh, The cable box was on top of the television. And you had to press down a button in order to go to the next channel. And then you had to hit the the little knob to go down and go to the next couple rows of the next channel. And then there was a third row. And I believe on that box, it was about 40 channels. Channel 7 was ESPN Channel 13 was uh, MTV Channel 21 was HBO Channel 2 was Prism Channel 37 was BET And you watched TV And you only had about 40 channels to choose from Some of y'all older than me And all y'all remember is 3, 6, and 10 And some of y'all a little way older than me And you remember at midnight The Star Spangled Banner would come on And the television would go off (laughs) But during that time, because of the lack of technology, the family had time to connect. My mother had a rule growing up. And the rule was, I don't care where you are at six o'clock, you better be at the dinner table. So during the summer, such as the time as this, I would go out with my friends and and, and we'd be out all day. And when uh, I I would tell the time by the sun, when I seen the sun go to a certain point, I pull up to my friend's house and ask him to run inside and tell me what time it is. And if it was 5.59, I had one minute to get back to 63 Hazelwood Circle. It was going to be some problems. And we would sit at the table every night with the exception of Tuesday night. And we had the time to connect together. Thursday night was precious, valuable time in my house. At 8 o'clock was the Cosby Show. At 8.30 was a different world. At 9 o'clock, you went to bed. But this was the time that the family connected together. On Saturday nights, uh, we were prepped for church. So we weren't hanging out too much on Saturday nights. You had choir rehearsal all day uh, during the day. Uh, but uh, a Saturday nights, uh, 8 o'clock was 227. 830 was amen. 9 o'clock was the Golden Girls. 10 o'clock was empty nest. And you go to bed and you get ready for church. On Sunday morning, everybody got in the same car together there was a value in relationships. We knew who we were. We were not perfect, but we knew who we were. But now we live in a a technology age or informational age where we all can be in the same room but not watching the same thing. Everybody eats dinner wherever they want. So there's a disconnection in the family and the family no longer knows each other because there's no connection amongst each other. And this is what causes conflict in the family. All of those times in my upbringing was valuable and it allowed me to understand and learn new things about my family. I want to go to the text now. Uh, So let's go to the text. But before Paul goes in uh, to husbands and wives, uh, in the 22nd verse, uh, he deals with uh, four things that are essential for the family. And I want you to write these down. There are four things that are essential to the family. Number one is the Holy Spirit. Number two is joy. Number three is thanksgiving. And number four is submission. I'm going to say those four things for you again. Number one is the Holy Spirit. Number two is joy. Number three is thanksgiving. And number four is submission. Why the Holy Spirit? Let's see what Paul says in in Ephesians 5 and 18, uh, verse 18. He says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. What Paul was saying is that when you're under the influence of alcohol, you're you're, you're led by whatever those spirits or those things you drink uh, and you ingest, you're led by those things. And he's saying rather than be led by things that are natural, such as alcohol, be led by the spirit because the spirit will never lead you wrong. Uh, When we're led by the spirit, we're led to obedience, meaning we're led to do what's right. Meaning that when I'm led by obedience, there are certain things that I will avoid because I have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> when I'm filled with the Spirit, there are times that I want to be angry, but I got to remind myself that maybe I'm part of the problem. When I'm filled with the Spirit, I, prepare, I, I I begin to really think about what I'm getting ready to say that comes out of my mouth that can be hurtful to my family. And one of the issues that we have is that we lack being filled with the spirit. So because we lack being filled with the spirit, the enemy is able to pour other influences in our life. We're influenced with Facebook. We're influenced with Instagram. We're influenced with television. We're influenced with media. We're influenced with alcohol. We're influenced with drugs. And now we're trying to understand why our family is so jacked up. And the reason why it's so jacked up is because you're filled with everything else but the Holy Spirit. Not only does the Holy Spirit lead us to obedience, but the Holy Spirit leads you into truth. Meaning the Holy Spirit will tell you about yourself before you start telling everybody else in the house about everybody else. The Holy Spirit will tell you to check yourself before you start checking everybody else. Ooh, y'all quieting. (laughs) One of the issues is that in, in, in many relationships is that we're quick to find fault in everybody else in the house but ourselves. And the lack of the Holy Spirit is the lack of truth. And the lack of truth leads to rebellion, leads to arguments, leads to issues, leads to drama and strife. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that our house is Holy Ghost filled. And watch this. And when we're led by the Holy Spirit, it leads us to joy. Let's look at the 19th verse. He's talking about after you're being filled with the spirit, you start speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. When we're filled with joy, we're eager to be a blessing to someone else. When the Holy Ghost fills you, you lose selfishness. And you start trying to figure out what can I do to be a blessing in the house? Watch this. And when that joy kicks in, (laughs) it's hard for someone to pick a fight with you. And it's hard for you to pick a fight with them. Watch this. If Ray is full with the spirit and she's singing and praising God and giving God glory upon the house, and I got a nasty attitude, the mirror starts reflecting on me. And I have to now question myself. And I have to question my attitude and I have to question my spirit and vice versa. She's sitting around with a bad attitude and I'm filled with the spirit. I'm the joy of the Lord is my strength and I'm giving glory. She really has to question what's going on with me. It's hard to argue and fight with somebody (laughs) that is connected to God and they're filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now, after we're filled with joy, let's go to the 20th verse. We move into thanksgiving. And he says, giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Joy leads to commit contentment and contentment leads to thanksgiving. I'm going to say that again. Joy leads to contentment and contentment leads to thanksgiving. Hmm. After that joy kicks in and you start really enjoying the joy of the Lord, you start moving into thanksgiving. And you start valuing the things that you take for granted or that you complain about. (laughs) You start looking at your spouse differently. And you start saying, I thank God I'm married to that person because I could have been married to something else. But I thank you, Lord, that, God, we might have some disagreements. But, God, overall, I thank you for blessing me with a good wife. I thank you for blessing me with a good husband. I thank you, God, for blessing me with good children. You start looking at the situation, and you start giving God glory because you're no longer looking at the negative, but you're rejoicing because you recognize that everything that God has placed in your life is a blessing. If you are looking at everything in your house as a problem, you got to question whether or not your house is filled with the spirit. But when the spirit of God dwells in your house, you start looking at things and you start saying, you know what? It may not be what I want, but God, I thank you that you're giving me something. I thank God for provision. I'd rather live here than live in a mansion and hate my family. I'd rather live here than dwell around a bunch of folks That have no love. God, we ain't perfect, but God, I thank you. That you put me in a place with people that love me. We lose the value of thanksgiving. We need to find ways to thank God. Because everything in your life is part of God's plan. (laughs) Some things will be moved in time. But in the meantime... Thank God for it. I don't like this house, but thank God, because this house got love. I don't like this car, but thank God, because it's running. I don't don't like I don't like everything that's going on, but thank God, because God, you're keeping it together. It could be worse. When the Holy Ghost fills you and God fills you with joy, you start looking at things differently and you begin to start finding thanks in everything, recognizing that God has put you in a position to still thrive. And finally, Thanksgiving leads to submission. The word submit means to rank under. And it should be looked at as a blessing And not as if though it is something to be inferior. Uh, We have taken the word submission and we have made it such a negative term because we have chauvinists (laughs) and we have people that don't want anybody that they have to submit under. And there's no way in the world that you can call yourself a Christian and not believe in submission. Because the greatest example of submission was Jesus Christ. In the book of St. John, the 13th chapter, he's sitting here with his disciples. And as he's sitting here with his disciples, he begins to wash their feet. These are sinful, reckless men. But God gets down, Christ gets down on his knees and he serves the people that should be serving him. And he counts it not robbery. He's one in essence with the father but yet submits himself to the will of the father, watch this, to meet the needs for us. This is in first Corinthians, the 11th chapter. He is in essence in one with God, but he submits to the father to meet the needs of mankind. And it should be the same way in our relationships. We should not be looking at submission as something negative. But what I'm doing is I'm in essence equal with my wife. But if it requires me to do a little extra so that I can be a blessing to her and the children, then I'll do whatever is necessary and vice versa. I don't look at her as a hindrance. I hope she don't look at me as a hindrance. (laughs) I don't look at her as an obstacle. I don't look at my children as a burden. I look at them as a blessing and because I love them, I submit myself and I'm willing to do whatever is necessary so that they can have the life that God wants them to have and a life that I can be happy to know that I did whatever I had to do to sacrifice so that they could be blessed. That is what true submission is about. We're going to deal with the wives on next week. But what I don't want is I don't want us to have in our mind that submission means wash my feet, cook my food, and make sure my, 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 my tub is running warm. Now, if you do that, praise God. But I pray you do that, not because somebody is, is, is demanding it, but you're doing it, but maybe because you just like to do that and you want to cater to, to your spouse. But that is not what submission necessarily is. Submission is I'm doing whatever is necessary, to meet the needs of others in my household. I'm closing here, but I want to give you these four points again. The four essential things for the family or the four essential things that is necessary in the family is the Holy Spirit, joy, thanksgiving and submission. Father, we thank you Lord for this opportunity for us to share this gospel and today, God, God, I pray, God, that this word has fallen on good ground. God, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this season. And I pray, God, that this message and the messages that are to come in the next few weeks uh, draw our families together and closer like never before. God, I pray, God, that some of the families in the Hope Haven uh, take me on to the challenge of coming together in prayer every night or every day, whenever time they need, uh, and to come before you, God, and bow down so that you can rise up and we speak against divorce, we speak against issues of domestic disputes and domestic violence and all of those things, God, for God, you are going to take the control and the front wheel of our lives. And Lord, we thank you and we honor and we give you glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If there is anyone on the sound of my voice that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal savior, Although I'm not able to contact you or touch you in person, uh, we do have a few folks in our comment section. Uh, You can also go to our website and reach us there. Um, We will make sure that we get in contact with you uh, so that we can lead you to the steps of salvation. Uh, We want to make sure that uh, everyone hears the gospel uh, to the fullest of our abilities. Um, At this time, uh, we're going to take forth our Holy Communion. I'm going to ask everyone uh, that is going to partake at this time to uh, grab your sacraments. We're going to give you some time. Um, Afterwards, we're going to uh, partake in communion. Followed by that, Uh, we will uh, then do our parts of giving um, along with a, a selection from our worship team. I want to thank you all for joining us on today, and I hope that this message has been a blessing to you. God bless you. We love you. And may heaven smile upon you. God bless you.